Gotta get all the glitter out of my eyes. This is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read some stuff this week. I watched hours and hours of Euphoria. A little warning up front. This might be one of the most risque, challenging topics uh, yeah uh, topics that we will cover so you know a little a little bit of a heads up there because if you're clicking on euphoria it has a lot of baggage so um what i am excited about today is something that i don't think most people clicking on this are going to be fully aware of and something that i don't see talked about but we're really talking about the genesis the root of where euphoria really came from we're talking about adaptation we're talking about the guy that has brought it to us uh, on mm-hmm. HBO, and I just don't see anybody talking about the genesis of this material, talking about adaptation around this, so this is going to be a ride. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, Massive, the season two premiere, that's why we're covering this now, is because got renewed this opening of season two was the strongest digital premiere night for any HBO series since the start of HBO Max, their oh, wow. streaming service. Nice. So it's huge. Um, It's huge. And it's a perfect reason to jump on it. Um, I had a friend that worked all season on it. Uh, I'm also connected in other ways to it, but we might get to that later. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's huge. (laughs) And just to double down on what you said, the controversy around it is it's teens, but it's the teen drama involving drugs, sex, nudity, violence. Oh, man. (laughs) Very, very potentially dark topics. So that's... uh, That's the scuttlebutt around it. But as you said, where is this coming from? That's mostly what we're going to sink our teeth into. Sam Levinson is the creator, writer, directed most of the episodes for season one and all of the episodes for season two. So he is... I am really unaware of (laughs) of him entirely. I've never... I, I don't recognize the name. I'm really at a loss. So please introduce me to Mr. Levinson. Yeah, he... His family has been in Hollywood for a while. His dad is Barry Levinson, who did some notable films. The only one that we talked about before was Wag the Dog, that satire Mm. of the uh, Clinton scandal that (laughs) came out before it actually happened. Yeah, all that stuff. But he's done a bunch of stuff. But Sam has been in the biz, and he was trained as a method actor and did acting and did things here and there. The most recent thing that he had done before this was a film in 2018 called Assassination Nation, which is this dark satire about internet and leaks that might happen and this town basically crumbles around this anonymous hacker that exposes all these things and people come to blows and (laughs) kill each other. It's just crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm looking at the poster now. It looks looks fun. Yeah. So (laughs) he actually uh, wrote this pilot for Euphoria the week after wrapping that film. So very quickly upon that. But then this is now what he's most known for is Euphoria. He had gone down to sit kind of a general meeting with HBO's head of drama, Francesca Orsi, and they were talking around specifically this, which who knew there was an Israeli series called Euphoria that Mm. they had they had bought and they wanted to adapt. And they were talking about what it was, the portrait of being young and drugs and all of that stuff. But of this course. is the part. This is the part that's <laughs> fascinating to me. You know, we 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 saw season two is coming out, and we're mm-hmm. looking for a hook, and then realizing that this started as an Israeli series, mm-hmm. which absolutely blew me away. Because watching the show, I'm thinking, my God, you know, we're talking about so much in our culture, 
this is so, you know, and really it feels so American in so many ways, but that's just me being, you know, in my own point of view here <laughs> uh-huh. because it's, oh God, I, 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 I'm blown away that this has foreign roots here and it's just it's something I don't hear anybody talking about. Yeah. So with that, I had a fun time researching because there really isn't much English language that I could parse together. I did have the uh, Google Translate on some Hebrew websites <laughs> to be able to get some of this. But- that journalistic edge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like you're saying, if you're if you're on Entertainment Weekly or any sort of BuzzFeed, anything, they might say, oh, yeah, it was based on an Israeli miniseries. But what it wh- skip to what? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I, I I I was shocked when we found this out, and that brings up so many questions for me uh, about how it changed. Yeah. So here's the juice of that. Like I said, mini series, just one season. 2012 was when this came out. I also found the mini series is based on a true story. Really? So we'll get to that. The My people God. that did the mini series, Ron Lesham and Daphne Levin, and Ron Lesham is the primary person, so we'll focus on him. He started out in news. He was the deputy chief editor for one of the three major Israeli newspapers, and this was at age 26, the youngest ever. Mm. This was in 2002. So he was a journalist covering things all over the place and then became the head. Mm, He left print in 2005 to work in TV for Keshet uh, which okay. is the most viewed public commercial station slash channel. He was the head of content and programming there, developing the shows. Wow. So just huge, huge yeah. in media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at such a young age. The one that we might know, or you might know, there was a Israeli show called Prisoners of War that went mm. on for two seasons. Gideon Raff is the creator and everything. But like I said, Ron Lesham is the... Creative head force. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah, getting all these shows done. But this one yeah. was also adapted into an American show called Homeland. Oh, with, no way. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, with Claire Danes. And then it, Gideon Raff followed along with that. And then there was also an Indian version called POW, a Russian version called Rodina. Like, it got sold wow. everywhere. So this guy, oh Ron Lesham, was behind that. Uh, but he doesn't stop in TV. He's also a writer. So hmm. the big thing that he's known for is a novel called in English, I believe it's Beaufort or Beaufort. I think Beaufort. But it won the Sapir Prize, which is the most lucrative literary prize in Israel in 2006. It is a diary of these young army officers protecting the Beaufort Castle, which is now in Lebanon. And this happened in 2000. Kind of this, these skirmishes back and forth for this particular okay. area. It was on the Israeli bestseller list, and it became a film that he co-wrote, wow. which was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film in two thousand eight. Wow! Okay. So just, I mean, yeah. all that is overdoing it, but he knows <laughs> his way around film, books, adaptation, media. <laughs> As well as he knows content, yeah, <laughs> and then internationally dipping over into awards here, adaptations mm-hmm. into Homeland, which went on for way more seasons than the original. So the original Euphoria show came out in 2012. I'll post a link to the trailer that's in Hebrew, but you can kind of mm-hmm. get a sense visually and tonally. It's very much a similar thing. One mm-hmm. season, ten episodes. The difference is. Uh, teens set in the 90s, so he brings it back 
mm-hmm. to more of when he was a kid as right. opposed to bringing it forward to how kids are experiencing things now. The true story that it's based on, which was news in Israel, was this teenager that was murdered outside a club, Renan Levy, and this happened in 2004. And so Mm. the show is loosely based on that and follows the lives of the teens that were involved and after the tragedy and before it and the paths they take to cope and so on. Interesting. Um, But that's, that's the big mechanism framing it all. And then... The, the other big piece that is different is that adults rarely appear. It's almost oh, like they don't yes. exist. And if they are, they're filmed at an angle that does not show their faces or you just miss them because they left a note on the fridge. So that's a big- like Charlie Brown. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. That's what I thought. But it's a big <laughs> conceit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that, that gets the point across immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is that, their world, yeah. That's fascinating. I'm thinking about what the uh, the HBO series would look like with more of that kind of thing. I mean, it's 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 very different in terms of the parents become a little bit more involved. But um, if it had that the edge of really trying to sell that these kids are operating dogs without leashes, there is mm-hmm. no parental authority here. Uh, yeah, that's really fascinating. And it was on Israeli television, so it isn't HBO. Although it's still was very much marked as salacious for the drugs and sex and whatnot. Gotcha. I had seen the way that Ron Lesham gets to writing this fascinating as it relates to the way that Sam Levinson gets to writing it because they're the opposite in my mind, but they end up with a very similar project. So I'll I'll explain how that, and this comes from these Hebrew news sources with him, him discussing this. So it originally... It started almost as like a likable soap opera, this group of teen, like surfing teens, kind of like Beverly Hills 90210 or the right. OC or something like that with some drama. But the whole he worked on it for a year and threw it away because he was sort of needing to probe deeper old wounds. The big thing that's going on with him is he said he realized that his whole childhood, his whole teenagedom, he was like, I had to be in control all the time. And he missed out on so much he didn't experience because Mm. he was trying to start a career. Because he said at age 15, he began working in this TV kind of youth internship program. At 17, he had an appointment book with a busy schedule. He missed, he said, I was not 17, I was 30 when I was 17. And so the other quote that he said, I did not want to deal with emotional development, so I only dealt with cognitive development. And so his writing is very much, he's saying all of the things that he's written the because he was a journalist, he wasn't in the war. So even right. his thing that won, he's like, I always write my alter ego who I am not, who he mm-hmm. wants to understand. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have any of this euphoria experience. Yeah. Just fascinating that that's where this comes out of. And of course, he has his co-writer, Daphne Levin, who is very much the opposite of him, who is a chaotic person according oh, yeah. to, to what I could, what I could okay. find about her. Um, but there's sort of a good balance there. But just, she injects some of that color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that the onus of this was the opposite of what you'd think. It's not. Well, and, and in another way, it does make sense because you you are writing about things that you are intrigued by because it's mm-hmm. not like he was going through adolescence and not seeing, you know, not seeing teenagers being teenagers. It's, you know, like at some point he had, you know, he was having that thought. It's like, I was third, you know, he might not have been totally cognizant of it, but it's, it speaks to writing what you, what you want to understand. 
So I'm sure that there's so much of, of what things he saw and things he thought about that that really did surface in mm-hmm. in the work itself. Um, so, you know, you say write what you know, but at the same time, if you're intrigued by something that you brushed up against, it, yeah. it can become a labor of, of trying to do trying uh, trying to understand that thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it, and he was, you know, it's also not like he was completely the perfect kid who had everything. His high school days are also filled with his suffering own and the, coming yeah. of age and, you know, yeah. the questioning of things. Yeah. Too. Because he's a he person as well. <laughs> the, you know, the world around him was constantly these kids provoking him at saying, are you yeah. gay? You're perverted. You're, you know, he's saying the countries around him, people are being executed for what people are calling me. So it is it, that, it's, that's that, different. That, that deeper is, pain. Yeah. yeah. is still there. It's not, just like he's some alien <laughs> outside of it all. Oh, um, so that leads us back to Sam Levinson and his conversation and his general right. meeting where they said, we got this show that did really well by this guy that's really successful. Well, I don't know if they said all of that, but you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they said, what Francesca, who is the head of drama at HBO, she's saying, what did you see in this? This Israeli series, you know, this is what we got. Mm-hmm. It's this raw portrait of drugs and being young. And Sam Levinson relates, like I said, on the complete opposite way. Right. Because this is his actual experience as a teenager. He right. was a drug addict throughout his teenagedom. And he's talking with Francesca about his personal history for two hours. Parents who were preoccupied with their careers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And he's in and out of hospitals and halfway houses and rehabs and all of that. And she says, Francesca says, great, go write that. And he's saying, what? And he, she said, all that, what you told me, go, go write a, <laughs> go write a pilot. Yeah. And yeah. So, you know what to do. Not looking at him, just like writing notes, like you got it. <laughs> so in every interview that I can find with Sam Levinson about this, he credits her and says, she's the most amazing executive to work for. Mm. Uh, and it shows from just even this first interaction. So mm. he gets the job. I'll write that down, Mark. Yeah. Remember that. <laughs> Francesca. <laughs> um, yeah. So his then story he had accepted at 16, basically, that drugs would kill him, and this was just mm. the way that he was going to go. Wow. Stopped at 19, found a way out of it. Um, I'll post a link to the piece. It was on some premiere of the first season. Zendaya had filmed it. was like a Q&A thing. It's on her Instagram, but I'll, I'll it's a very emotional video, kind of him describing what the show means to him and what got him out of it, but he's been clean for 15 plus years now since uh, stopped at 19. And then shortly before starting this met his now wife, Ash. And he was saying, that's what he wants the show to build to. Like, if you keep your heart open, there's people that will change your life. Right. Which gives me some sense of something where it's like, a lot of people are saying, oh, the show is dark and it gets darker and Watch out. It's and, a bad role model. It's a bad ex- example. You know, that you have kids glorifying or wanting to be, right. you know, be like that. <laughs> but you can only imagine that here now coming from this side of things and this guy, I don't yes, think he yes. would want this it to be. I, yes, yes. Yeah. He would not want it to be an irresponsible role model to influence teens to go make the same decisions. It is It is coming from the point of view to say, mm, you have other choices and there is a way out and people see you <laughs> and that this is... This is and he not got eternity, out, yeah. and there is a way out. There is hope. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. and it, it's, it's interesting because you can read into either side of those arguments. It glamorizing, it's glorifying, it's aesthetic, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous. It is horrifying. It mm-hmm. is terrifying. Yeah. It, it is as, as gross as it can be. Yeah. Um, all at the same time. So those those arguments are there, but I, that's that's what I wanted to know from mm-hmm. the Sam Levinson point of view here is that it is coming from this point of view is like there is a way forward, there is a way out of this, and there are people who will change your life. That's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful thesis for a show. And even with the idea of, oh, it's salacious and over the top and either glamorizing or horrifying it, he was saying it's it's trying to capture the heightened sense of emotion when yes. you are young and then everything feels with... like the most consequential mm-hmm. decision and moment of your life because yeah. you've only lived 17 years yeah. <laughs> and then because it is <laughs> and then in his case even saying when you struggle with anxiety and addiction on top of that yeah that is what he's trying to do so he, yeah. he just said i just wrote myself as a teenager when i was dealing with addiction and the way that zendaya got into it in terms of now He's on this, he's written it, he's going through the casting and whatnot. She was on a mood board he brought in for HBO like a year before being like, this is kind of <laughs> who. And she she at this point, because this is hard to remember, but she was Disney, the greatest showman and Spider-Man. Right, And right. she was looking for a career turn to break out of the... Looking for her Selena Gomez spring breakers. You know, <laughs> right. Looking for, to be taken as a serious actress and artist. So then she read his script and said, oh yes, this is exactly. And then of course he sits and talks with her for hours and mm-hmm. she brings her, he's very much a collaborative. I have these things, but you know, you take what you want with it. Same thing with Hunter Schaefer, mm-hmm. who after she was cast, she said they talked for seven hours at some deli on her life Aww. and experience growing up. <laughs> and so it's a combination of what Sam yes. wrote before she got on and then added some of her own stuff in. Awesome. Yeah. So, One of the things that I thought was interesting about her is that she has, this was her first role, no prior acting experience, Mm -hmm. which she's getting a lot of buzz for. Huge. Um, And that was was some of the casting as well, is a mix of actors, non-actors. They went to malls in Ohio and Florida and got, you know, some people that, yeah. I'm picking up on just a beautiful alchemy because I want to highlight here that we started with an Israeli series inspired by a true event, a murder, and the Mm -hmm. fallout from that murder. We had an Israeli journalist take and write a series about that, dramatizing what would be the aftermath and the lies for these people. And then you have HBO, a a, a United States, an American um, studio who is now going to adapt it. They bring in kind of the polar opposite of of the original writer who was – doing the trying to get to the bottom of these things that he didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Now, we're adapting that for an American audience and we're going to bring in the person to write it is somebody who has been through a very similar experience, somebody who can bring in the real authenticity to the American the the American point of view that we're trying yeah. to sell here. That's a very smart uh, <laughs> line of alchemy to to do an adaptation, and it only continues into the casting. And yeah. and, and paramount is Hunter Schaefer. Definitely, yeah. So Sam Levinson, wholeheartedly, like you're saying, even though he's the primary creative onus, is pulling so many different people 
from all it. qualities oh, and and uh, that's and how it works, man. That, yeah. that, that's that's how things become uh, are authentic and textured and real. They become alive. People mm-hmm. are inspired by what you're trying to do, and they bring their realness to it. And, yeah. and you can see that through all of the people who have on this story, turning all the way with the original thing, all the way through into now. Sam setting up his setting up his company to go do this thing. Uh, people are adding and putting their bits on yeah. and interpreting this material. And so, yeah, with with that interpreting going outside of just, okay, we made this thing, but it's going to an audience. You know, people had asked him, it's like, well, isn't this, in a way, you have to think about who is it for? Is it for, because <laughs> he said, parents are going to be scared and young people, there will be young people that will say, yeah, that's my life. Yeah. So he's, but he is very explicit. He's like, who's it for? People over the age of 17 or 18. <laughs> right. It's, a, it's, it's not actually target audience for high schoolers. And that's what's confusing to people <laughs> is they're saying, oh, this is, is the teen legally drama. can't be. Yeah. <laughs> like it, 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 for what they are depicting, it cannot, you can't say, and we are selling this to children. Uh, it, it's legally not, it, it, when you think about it on this terms, of course it has to be the parents of those children are the target, target audience. Right. And. You know, it's hard. He's he was saying what's different is that the gap between parents and kids post internet has grown because it's a brand new world every five yeah, years. Yes. So that's some of the and that's something that this has an opportunity to touch on in itself is the the widening gap between parent and uh, and child, mm-hmm. uh, which is so much in the root of when going back to the the absent parental authority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's what's what's hard in terms of the prioritization of marketing it and then also yes yes discussing it is is like well if kids are gonna or teens are gonna want to watch it anyways then parents should you just watch it with them or should you it's like yeah right you know it's it's such a hard such a hard thing to you know that they're dancing around and that's where the criticism comes from but that that sort of family night yeah (laughs) sunday night everyone you for the new episode is up yeah, oh, maybe gosh. not with them, but at least <laughs> yeah. No, I want to think about that first. Yeah. <laughs> but it's no, tough. So- it, arm yourself with it. Because, it, mm-hmm. okay, it's dramatized. But it is real at the same time. Number one, it's inspired by a real thing. But everybody mm-hmm. now is inspired by, when you bring it to them, all these people that are involved in it, they go, oh, wow, that reminds me of this. And everybody's adding their things to it because it is real. Because mm-hmm. it, it it's dramatized, yes. Every character is to the nine. <laughs> because that has to be what, that's what content is. But at the very yeah. same time, there is such a layer of authenticity to all of it mm-hmm. and yeah. so as parents i think it's i think it's a smart thing to arm yourself with you know at least the you know, brace yourself for the worst you know <laughs> like, yeah. uh, be, know that this is what could be happening Lo- yeah. hopefully luckily maybe that's not you know something much more wholesome is going but a piece of it might be or at least absolutely 100 yeah. a piece will happen and so yeah, that, and so that, yeah. as for parents that's that's exactly where you would have to if you were making this type of show that's where you'd have to line to line yourself up to sell it like it's for mm-hmm. the it's for parents it's for parents to arm themselves it's for parents to understand to help to help marginalize this gap that seems only to be growing wider yeah so what's tough is and this is why i looked into this kind of the approach towards teens on television and why we're having this now right based on what has happened before so just run with me on this yeah. brief sort of summary. And of course, there's a million television shows and I'm not going to say your favorite one. <laughs> so be mad at me about that. But broad strokes, late 80s to early 90s, you had more, I mean, still teen stuff, but it was all centered around the family unit. Like you're saying, there's this interesting family disconnect where people think, oh, being on social media means you're lazy. And it's like, no, this is just an alternate reality that everybody 
Right. Under sitcoms the used of, to have, you remember, you know, it was the whole house was the set. Family matters. Without, and the, you yeah. Know, yeah. Full house. You, 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 the wall is missing and it is the, the story is the whole family in yeah. the house. And we have, we have starkly moved away from that. Yeah. Yeah. So this, the start of that 1994, my so-called life, Sam Levinson actually mentions this in an interview and I think they allude to it. Of course, I would never know in some episodes, it was canceled after one season because there was really no such thing as a teen show. But it, this was on ABC, I believe, hmm. heavily regarded as one of the best television mm -hmm. shows of all time, but did not stand for the time and place. A little bit prior to that, the only one that really did stand up was Beverly Hills 90210 right. on Fox yes. in the 1990. This was the first real kind of teen soap phenomenon. Such things as in the first season, Brenda has sex with Dylan and Suffers no consequence, shows no remorse. This was heinous to a lot of viewers, the angry ones at least, that would write in. Mm -hmm. So Fox was pressured to feature this pregnancy scare in the second season to sort of placate those. Oh, uh, to answer it with consequences. To say, oh, oh yeah. well, this isn't, yeah. Um, Interesting. But this is going on in the 90s. There are these alternate, I mean, Fox was the, the rival to these bigger mm -hmm. networks, the big, you know, the big fourth one coming out. But the WB comes onto the scene. They had Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. And then, of course, Gilmore Girls, Dawson's Creek. Yes. And yes, UPN yes. had Moesha. And then WB and UPN merged to form the CW. Yes. And then, you know, early 2000s, now we're actually getting into, this is primarily teens, Veronica Mars, Friday Night Lights. Right. And then there's some some twists that get added to it. They need to solve a mystery or there's a murder. There's more high concept <laughs> right. that comes into it. So Gossip Girl falls into that Pretty Little Liars to Riverdale today. Yes, 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 gotcha. You know, with all of those, there becomes, with the hook of that concept, more dark stories Along with just kind of the what people consider the graphic content, the nudity, the sexuality, right. the whatever toward teens, that's what interested me was wh who is this actually for? Gossip Girl came out in 2007. The network figured out that the median age of viewers was 27 years old. Oh, really? And then the CW with Riverdale that came out recently, the median age is 37. Oh, Wow. <laughs> I think because it's based on the old Archie stories, that, but yeah, yeah, and and I guess maybe TV is maybe is maybe TV has fallen out of style with kids, you know, <laughs> they're not they're yeah. on their phones, you know, yeah, yeah, I don't know. One one of the ones that was more teens and directed towards teens, not in the U.S., is this British show Skins. Are you familiar with that? Ooh, at all? I've definitely heard of it. I, I heard heard of it. Seven seasons from. 07 to 13. Right. The show's writing team had an average age of 21, and they brought in teenage consultants. Wow. So this was very much by teens, for teens, <laughs> with all of the same drama and scandal. I hope there was like some like greedy 13-year-old who was the, yeah. <laughs> the showrunner. <laughs> Brought down the age. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, <Mayor>. bracket. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now this has a cult following, and I, I guess people have interest in it for, for that time and place. The last one in terms of the history lesson that I had seen, just because I was reading comments on articles about Euphoria, and people were like, well, this is just like this. Who cares? <laughs> this has been done before. Right. The thing that they were referring to is this 1995 feature film called Kids. And oh, yes. Do you know oh, this? Oh, yes, 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 yes. This is uh, where uh, over the course of 
uh, I think a knight, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. some teens uh, focusing on one in a, uh, spreads a- 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 HIV, HIV yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> to some kids. It's, it's yeah. a, it is. Yes, I am aware of it. It is uh, and an, and a, a wildly uncomfortable movie. I haven't seen it, but I've studied yeah. it. So um, it was, yeah. yeah. Harmony Corinne. Which first we've already brought up. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> 1995, written by him at the age of 19. Yeah. And uh, the film seems improvised, but it was written and it was filmed in a documentary style. So yeah. that also it adds feels to the- It feels incredibly real in that. The uh, looseness. And, all of yeah. the uncomfortableness to it. it but it's basically- It feels so real. It makes you want to get out of the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody said it was a Lord of the Flies with skateboards. It's yeah. this hedonic New York City- teenage scene with drugs and sexual acts and it got an nc-17 rating yeah which is what makes it a cult film so with all of that looking into some of the back to the math of it and whether or not this is actually doing anything and is this changing anything Mm -hmm. one of the more recent ones that got people up in arms which is contestable with a causation or correlation 13 reasons why yeah that's come to mind a couple times uh over just over the course of recording now. Um, uh-huh. In, so in I looked, terms yeah. of even just the original uh, Israeli series, I was like, that that almost sounds like <laughs> 13 reasons why. <laughs> so yeah, in, in 2017 was when this came out and there was a study, which I'll post the link to, which I read through, male suicides aged 10 to 17 years. The conclusion of this survey was there was a 29% increase in April in the month when this was released. What? But the the statistical oddity is the rest of the age bracket, 18 to 64, did not show a significant increase. So that seems like a cra- if almost a third more suicides in that month, and they compared it over a five-year span before oh and after. God. What does that mean? Uh, well, it just means that that happened. It also is like, when you look at the numbers, the overall rate for that age is 0.6 people per 100,000. So- for that to increase thirty percent is still a smaller amount, but the the it you know that was the reason it got so much media scrutiny because people looked at this and said this is doing something. There's also a million things that happen in the course of a year. Aaron Hernandez from the Patriots also committed suicide that month. Right. You know, like there it, right. it could be right. a lot of different things or nothing at all, and the percentage seems large, but the number is actually smaller. So the thing that is situation was teen suicide rates have increased overall Hmm. from 2008 to 2015 the hospitalizations doubled uh in children's hospitals so that is that is a thing that that this is why you know this particular statistic suicide self-harm those sorts of things do come up with these shows and showing them what's interesting is these other things that people are even more worried about or like the crux of euphoria is actually decreasing so younger generations are consuming less alcohol and drugs hmm. over 10 over the past 10 years opioid use has declined substance use is, has a 30% decrease in the past 5 years marijuana is the same vaping is the only one that's been that's rising yeah. Interesting. Because uh, and then the you same feel thing. Like if you ask people, you say it's good, <laughs> that that sounds so wrong, you know? If you <laughs> Yeah. Well, and then the other one, the big one with euphoria and other shows that people get up in arms about that has also declined is sex. Yeah. There is a recession, you know, 1991 over half of high school students reported having sex only 41% did in the 2010s. Wow. And it continues to go down. So the those two that I think people get more incensed about 
are actually, you know, people are worried about, oh, well, the content is getting heavier and teens are doing it more. Well, yeah, maybe it's actually the other way. It's like we're actually showing it more and they're doing it less. So maybe it is actually having the correct effect as we were talking about earlier uh, with Sam Levinson. Just yeah. the, the intended effect. What are we supposed to take away from this material? Uh, <laughs> not in, inadvertently having uh, frat boys fall in love with Jordan Belfort in The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one that I saw that was maybe truly accurate with euphoria is the social media angle. Mm. And that mm. kind of mm-hmm. ties back to our situation about just talk about it. There, There is such a divide between parents and teens now with social media usage. Yes. And I think in the show yes. he was saying it's like they're not scrolling on Instagram all the time, but there is this whole secondary world that parents are not privy to at all. And it is they, the it's the best I've ever seen in terms of showing texting on that's screen. That's what I heard, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the best I've ever seen in terms of presenting a, a moment emotionally – while it, it has this duality where the visuals mm-hmm. are telling one story, but the subtitles are telling a totally different story. And there's mm-hmm. no, there's nobody, it's not subtitling people talking. There's two different things going on. And just, so yeah. it's not something you can, like, I like to put on things and listen to them and walk around the house sometimes when I'm not like studying them or like, you know, have to do yeah, a show yeah. on them. Uh, so like, this is something I, I recognized immediately that if I continued watching, I could not do that with because mm. you have to be engaged uh, both auditorially and visually because they could go in different directions at any moment. Yeah. So I thought that that could potentially be from what I've seen the most coherent thing to look at in terms of like, well, they're hyping these things up to 11 and this was Sam Levinson's experience with drugs and his perception of it. But the social media stuff, all parents could glean, you know, I had seen some comments where somebody is like, yeah. No, it's just there one moment that just stuck out when I had that thought uh, is a girl standing alone at a party under a staircase while the party is making you feel one thing, the conversation going on is is, it it draws you in. It adds this dynamicism to the drama. Uh, You're Mm -hmm. in one you're in a place, but there's a whole other conversation going on that doesn't belong in here. Um, Yeah, I thought it to be wildly successful and I hadn't seen that put together. Uh, yeah. In terms of bringing media into this online world, phone world, texting world, we've been kind of tripping around that the last 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, and I've never seen it done so flawlessly and so successfully to bring me to an emotional point. And what's so fascinating, finally circling all of this around, is that was not Sam Levinson's experience yeah. when he was going through this. So he yeah. had to pull from the people that he's casting yeah. and the people around him to make this about what is happening now versus the retrospective that the Israeli series did. So yeah, really we can't is... talk about acid in the 90s right now to sell yeah. it to America, you know, to, to Americans right Yeah, now. but Sam couldn't talk about texting somebody yeah. when he was going through all this. So, yeah, yeah. Yes. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our conversation. Real quick, because I did tease it at the beginning. I, I actually knew Hunter. Uh, personally, I was their residence counselor uh, at mm. an arts at, at our college. They uh, she came for a, uh, a visual art program, and I was her yeah. residence counselor. And it was a, a quite to do with the North Carolina laws and right. her having to be on a boy hall. And so they they thought that I would be good at. You know, and that was like national news. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no. So she came. She came to school for the summer before she came. 
to school for actually school school. And uh, once once she came to school, it, it absolutely exploded. But you could tell that that the it was just the school was dipping their toes into some waters. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was very interesting to be around. And and I you know she was just an absolute light. It was really uh, I had a lot of anxiety about how the boys would act and accept her and what the yeah. just the culture would be like and man it made me really really inspired and and just feel good about the generation coming up behind us because i the whole the whole hall uh <laughs> convalesced around her and it was just a it was an incredible time i look back on it really wow. fondly so it's it's so great to see her doing this huge uh you know first acting it, oh my i mean and yeah. i've never look i've never seen anything like this before the closest comparable i have um and when it comes to the 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 weight behind this performance and what it means, it, you know, it's got to be uh, Sean Banker's Tangerine, which if you haven't seen it, Sean Banker is, is the Florida Project. Um, there's a, he's a big avant-garde, uh, big art movie guy coming up, but that, his movie Tangerine mm-hmm. was led by a, a, a trans actor. And so I'm trying to think of things that are as as consequential as this, and it just it's really really big, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so I couldn't be more proud, and it's so exciting. She's so incredible. Yeah, I, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just all, I'm no, just all awesome. proud over yeah. here. <laughs> cool. um, but yeah, I mean, with that, I would love to to ask our audience, what do you guys think about Euphoria? <laughs> Did is it is it over the top? Is it nailing it? Uh, is it good for that conversation starter? Is it smart for uh, parents to be arming themselves, or are parents getting more whipped up about things that are actually on the decline and less of a problem? <laughs> so right. I, that's that's kind of where we left it here, uh, where it's like statistically that mm, it is factually a little bit different than it feels. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I'm just glad that we are getting uh, these stories made to this caliber. We're seeing people like uh, uh, Hunter uh, held up to this degree. Um, man, it's exciting. So yeah. Thank you guys for sticking with us. Reach out to us, as always, at IlliteratePod on Instagram. Any episodes uh, you'd want us to cover. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you.